Hello and welcome everybody inside the Impact 89 FM studios as we get set for another weekly episode of Spartan Red Zone here on WDBM. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Merrifield. Join alongside another beautiful Friday afternoon with the beautiful JDC, J. Paul DeCoster here on this Friday afternoon in East Lansing. is quite the sunny, beautiful day. We saw the sun today. We wow. did see the sun today. It's like 40 degrees outside, I think. I don't know. It's supposed to be 50 tomorrow. For oh. the heated matchup between the Nebraska Cornhuskers and Michigan State coming in at two and six. Uh, but we'll talk about a little bit of that later on in the show. Obviously, Michigan State Senior Day, last home game of the season, the sixth and final one. Uh, we'll get into that in a few minutes. Uh, we got to talk about last weekend, JDC. We had a little, little bit of fun in Minneapolis. It was, not, it was an interesting experience, I'll say that. It, it was one of the experiences of all time. The football was not great, but. It was still fun. Minneapolis is a very underrated city. I liked it a lot. It was very cold. Uh, it was nice and 70 degrees in East, Lan- in East Lansing, and then we go up to Minneapolis, and it was a nice 32 degrees. So yeah. definitely the Minneapolis weather hitting us. So Yeah, JDC, what was your favorite memory of Minneapolis? I didn't ask you this about Iowa City, and I should have, but second road trip um, of the year, what was your favorite, favorite part of Minneapolis? Was it getting stopped at TSA? Getting stopped at TSA was an interesting one because – uh, I had stuff in my bag, I guess, and I had contact solution in my bag, and it wasn't travel size. So shout out TSA for stopping me. So that's that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, overall, it's a great city, a good college town, very underrated college town. It, you have so you have the city, you have the Mississippi River, and then you got the University of Minnesota. So I I love that Slowick just lacks common knowledge of geography, and we we're driving over the Mississippi River, and he goes. What is this? Like, what are we driving over? I'm like, that's the Mississippi River. He goes, really? I go, yeah. yes. And it's, which it's he also didn't know we were River. driving over the Mississippi River when we were driving to Iowa. <laughs> he goes, this is the second time I've driven over it. Well, technically it's the third. And there's going to be a fourth later tonight. And it's going to be a fifth and sixth tomorrow. <laughs> and maybe a seventh and eighth if we go out after the game tomorrow. But anyways, we love Slowick. Um, is he ever going to come back? He's never coming back. Again. I'm sorry. We've just kind of relegated him to... The Breslin Breakdown or something. I don't know. He's going to a lesser podcast. Just kidding. We love the Breslin Breakdown, our former show. Um, make sure to tune in. Allie, Joe Des, Faith, and Tim Marshall all going to be on it starting next week, I think. Yeah. Women's basketball season started yesterday. Exhibition over went over Davenport. Yes. Um, 99 to 46, I believe. Robin Fralick. Yeah. Michigan State women's basketball is back. They're um, back. They're electric. They uh, dominated a D2 school last night in their exhibition, but hey. They're yeah. back. Mo Joyner, automatic. Abby Kimball, automatic from deep. Tori Osmond. Tori Osmond. The entire team. Dee Dee Hageman, dime dropper. Dime right. dropper. Oh, excuse me. Uh, but we'll get back to the football team that is not back. Uh, They're the opposite well, of back, back, Jay. Since, uh, you know, since last year, I guess. So uh, Were they back last year? I don't Maybe after the not Illinois really. game. Maybe I mean, after right. the Illinois game, people are like, oh, maybe there's a bowl game. No, no, there's not. Not if you can't beat Indiana at home. Um, yeah. But. So, yeah, I guess let's just, once once again, for the sixth week in a row, let's talk about... Another loss. Another, lo- another loss. Another one. It was, uh, another one. No, I mean, it was ugly Big Ten football. That was kind of a brutal game to watch on oh, both sides. Awful. Uh, the first half, you saw Ethan Kalik-Manis, who isn't a very good quarterback, dice up this defense. I think he had like 140 yards in the first half. He had 190, 190. 190. Thank you for the clarification. Thir- third most ga- yards he's ever had in a game, and he had it in one half. 
With all due respect to Ethan Kelly Manis, I mean, if he if he has 190 if if he has 190 yards on you in the first half, that's that says something about your defense. Well, yeah, um, and, yeah. I mean, the game started out in Minnesota football. They fumbled, and like did, the second yeah. play of the game, in Michigan State, you know, took right advantage of it, starting off deep in Minnesota territory, took a three and out, but Jonathan Kim with the super leg that he has put him up three nothing, and then Jordan Hall, who had a monster game last weekend, he did yeah. Uh, came up, got his first career sack on the second drive, stripped it from Cali McManus. Michigan State then took advantage, went three and out, and offense kicked another field goal. The offense was again. pathetic in the, for once the first again. three quarters. Um, I, I don't – the offense, I don't even know if – I don't know, Jay. Do you think the offense would be any better if John if Noah Kim was still starting? No. I, I, I mean, they're both the, – the, all the quarterbacks right now are – I, I mean – I think there's a reason – Kim started the year and he wasn't great by any means, but the offense was fine. Like it wasn't good. Yeah, it's but under the, Kane o- the, the offense has gotten worse under Kaden Hauser. I can confidently say that. No, I wouldn't disagree with that because that second half performance against Rutgers and then Michigan scoring no points and then scoring twelve points against Minnesota. That's that's a new low, I guess, for this offense. I mean, not able to move the ball at all. Kaden Hauser got benched in the second half. You go to Sam Levitt, who actually showed something, drove them down the Sam field, Levitt. used his legs, and he was able to drive them down the field, scoring a touchdown, uh, throwing to Montori Foster, I believe it was. Um, Tyrell Henry. Or Tyrell Henry. Um, so he went 8 for 12, 73 yards, touchdown, and then he had an interception at the end of the game. But he showed a little more out than Hauser. So, I mean, maybe that's encouraging, I guess. And we don't know who's going to get the the. the do you think it's Hauser this week against Nebraska, or do you think? In my opinion, if all right, there's two tra- trains of thought. One is, who cares about the red shirt? If Levitt's the best option at quarterback, you yeah. play him and you try and finish out the season as mm-hmm. best as possible. I'm cool with that. But if that's the case, you start Sam Levitt and you let him ride it out and you give him all the experience you can, and he just doesn't use his red shirt this year. I'm cool with that. Or you bench him and you just stash him away, and next year he'll be a red shirt freshman. He can try and start next year. Because he didn't have an opportunity to even really earn the starting job at the start of the year because he was a late signee. Right. Like he got here in the summer, so he didn't have the spring football to try and learn the offense. So he was already at a disadvantage to start the year. So if you just want to stash him away for next year for Urban Meyer or Jake Dicker or whoever the hell is the next head coach of this football team, cool. But if you're not going to use that red shirt, stop trotting him out there late in the fourth quarter when the game's already in hand and maybe he can strike a comeback. There was a chance. You know, he drove that touchdown down the field. It was a five-point game. Okay, maybe he can get or onside kick with seven and a half minutes left. Defense still can't get a stop. Doesn't matter. Uh, defense doesn't get the stop anyways, and now it's game's out of hand, and then the offense has to try and scramble and try and make it up. But So, in my opinion, if you want Levitt to get the experience, start him. There's no point in starting Hauser. There's nothing so, to lose. There's nothing to lose. If you're if you're not worried about you're his red shirt using, game. just don't waste his red See shirt. See what you have. Yeah, don't waste his red shirt by trotting him out there late in the fourth quarter every single week. So I'd like to see him start because the offense looked the best it had looked since Richmond on that opening drive or on that one drive he had down the field. And even he threw he had the fumble, he got stripped, and then on the final drive, he got him down the field. He made a bad read and threw the interception. But mm-hmm. Overall, he still got him into the red zone. The only two times they made it to the red zone all the game were in his two it were in two of his three drives. So, I mean, to start the game, Michigan State, despite being up six nothing at the end of the first quarter, had run and four drives had run three, three at six, nine, and then fifteen plays 
on four drives. They had four three and outs, three four three three and outs, and a and a drive that went six plays. That was also a punt. Then they opened the second quarter with three and out, and then they had another drive where they had four plays and a punt. I feel like, like half my live tweets on Saturday were just three and out, three their, and their, out. Their average time of possession was less than two minutes going into the fourth quarter. Like they literally, all you have to do to have a time possession of two minutes on a drive is run it three times. Yeah, like I mean, and literally that's all it takes. And they didn't, couldn't even do that. They didn't run the football. Nathan Carter, eleven for forty-four on the ground, four yard to carry. Not, I mean, Minnesota's front's pretty good, so I mean, mm-hmm. you'll take four yard to carry. It's not the end of the world. Sam Levitt was the leading rusher, and he had fifty-two yards of rushing in one and quarter alone because he just took a snap and would take off with it because that was the only thing available, which was fine. But they just refused to run the football. Nate Carter has to get more than eleven carries a game. I agree. I mean, he's, he's your best weapon on offense. Why not use him? Especially more? when your quarterback play is not good. Sam Keen Hauser should not be throwing it 22 times in three quarters. No, no he shouldn't. Not at, at all. 12 for 22. Minnesota knows that with Cal Manis. He was 14 for 22 on the whole day. Jordan Newbin, who had never started before, was four for 205. Yeah. He was replacing 40 uh, for 205, excuse me, and two touchdowns. He had six carries in his entire season coming in. And he goes out, carry, touches it 40 times, and runs it right down Michigan State's throat in the second half. I mean, I just, he was uh, and uh, Jordan Newman was replacing the injured Darius Taylor, who was uh, who's been out for kind of for a while for Minnesota. Jordan Newman comes in and he just rushes for 200 yards like it's nothing. I mean, no problem for him. I mean, I mean the, that's just the first half. Michigan State did a pretty solid job of shutting him down. Wasn't like mm-hmm. perfect by any means, but you know what? Did a good job. Second half, he just ran right through it. Like, it was nothing. I mean, they wore down this front seven, and, 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 and they were kind of out of gas. And part of that was time of possession. Minnesota yes. had the ball for, like, yeah. 38 minutes because Michigan State's offense just refused to sustain a drive because, I don't know, ask Jay Johnson. I got I, I can't even think of what he was thinking. I can't imagine. Montori Foster was the leading receiver, 4 for 55. Mosley at 3 for 51. Glover, 2 for 34, including a long 29-yard catch from Sam Levitt. Tyrell Henry, 3 for 20 in the touchdown. Brennan Parachek had a catch. He needs to be the starting tight end. If Malik Carr mm-hmm. is hurt, which he was last week. Looks like Malik Carr is probably out. I mean, he was out on against Minnesota, but we don't know the full status from just yeah. yet. But, I mean. Jalen Franklin, not a good tight end. I don't know why he's out there. Yeah. I mean, to be truly honest, he is not a great run blocker. He doesn't catch the football. He, I, he had a, another drop. He didn't have any catches, but he had a target, and it was a bad drop in the first half. Um, if the, the the tight ends when Malik Carr's out should be Brennan Parachek and then Evan Morris, because Evan Morris does have a role in run blocking. Like I have no issue with him being out there. He's like Tyler Hunt. Um, yeah, and Brennan Parachek's a freshman. He's actually it, showed, yeah, showed something. Like he showed something. Play so him play, more. Like, please I just play don't him. understand. And, and I go back, and you go back to coaching, like, that onside kick when MSU was, uh, they were down eight, I believe. Onside kick with seven minutes left. I mean that was. Yeah, they were I did five. not agree with that at all. I, I didn't hate the call because the thought, my thought process was okay. You get a stop. You have to get a stop regardless. If they go down and kick a field goal, it's still a one possession game because they're borderline field field goal range when they got the onside kick yeah. back. But regardless, you gotta get a stop. So I guess if you don't get a stop, Minnesota's got shorter field, so you get it back quicker. So from that standpoint, I'm like fine even though Michigan State's defense had two chances on third down to get a stop, and Newbin just ran it right through the defense like it was nothing. So from that standpoint, I, it was just frustrating. Daniel Jackson, who's been the best receiver on that Minnesota team by far, was open all day. Uh, he had seven for 120 in a score. Whenever they needed a big catch, he was there. I mean, props to Minnesota. 
They're a good football team. They're solid. Their defense is very strong. They're now five and three on the year. Mm-hmm. They're right in the mix of it in the Big Ten West. That's an absolute gong show. Um, <laughs> you and, think? And, and and I mean Nebraska coming in town this week is also three and two and five and three on the year. I mean they are very much also right in it in conference yeah. play and in the Big Ten West race. I mean I can go look at it right now. But the Big Ten West, I think everybody's still alive. I don't think there's a team that's out of it. Illinois and Purdue might be the only two teams that are out of it at one and four. Yeah, right now in the Big Ten West, technically Iowa's in first at three and two. You also have Minnesota three and two, Nebraska three and two, Wisconsin three and two. And Western at two and three. How about that? And all these teams <laughs> still have to play each other for the most part. Yeah. Wisconsin did play Iowa, but Wisconsin still has Nebraska and Minnesota to finish out mm-hmm. the year. You also have Northwestern at two and three. Just to keep that in mind. They are still very much relevant. Uh Iowa still has to play Minnes still has to play Nebraska. Minnesota still has to play Wisconsin, still only has to play Wisconsin, yeah. and then obviously Nebraska has to play Minnesota and Was- or Iowa and Wisconsin or something. I don't know. There's a lot, still a lot of football left to be played. I mean, November is the month where everything's decided. Um, mm-hmm. I, who said it? Oh, uh, to quote Brian Kelly, September is for pretenders. November is for contenders. Yes. Even though his team still already has two losses, isn't contending for shit. Um, but – you know but what? Great, 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 great quote. Uh, electric. Quote Brian Kelly. Like if they Dan Lanning, if Dan Lanning said that, <laughs> I'd be ready to run through a brick wall. But when you're eleven and six and two on the year, thirteenth in the country, and your season rests on the off chance that you can go into Tuscaloosa and tomorrow night and beat Bama at night, maybe, maybe you did it last year at home. I don't see it. Um, but anyways, even even if they do that, they still probably aren't making the playoff at, with no, two losses two with losses, how good everybody else is. Um, so there's that. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, so any other thoughts on the game against Minnesota before we talk Not about really. Nebraska? Really, I mean, it's just the coaching is just continues to be terrible, and we're so just, close, Jay. Four weeks, so close. Four weeks until Urban Meyer might Urban be Meyer. might be the football <laughs> see, coach. We of saw this some team. more rumors over the last week. God, that the Urban mes- Meyer's the message Lansing. boards. I love the message. Shout out uh, Keith Slogs, ex Slogs' dad, who has sources that sources. Urban Meyer was in East Lansing. Sources. That's not confirmed, but we don't know. Nobody don't knows know, sources. I shout can out, be sources. Shout out Keith Sloak. Yeah, there were people on Twitter saying <laughs> Urban Meyer was at The Graduate on Wednesday. <laughs> that was fun. Um, hope he enjoyed The Graduate, The Rock Bar, kind of elite, no yes. free ads. Did he, uh, did he sign The Rock up there like Tom Mizzo did? <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if somebody in Spartan Twitter went and scanned The Rock to make sure it had not been signed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, the coaching staff, I, that's why I think the biggest culprit of this year and who's the biggest to blame, the coaching staff's just not good. Um but thankfully, like I said, we have a month left of this, Jay. And then one more month. Uh, one more month. Basketball. And then basketball. And the basketball team starts Monday against James Madison. Yeah. Shout out, James. Make sure to tune in on WDBM. Zach Sardenic, AJ Evans on the call. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. Uh, noon kickoff between Zach Slook or Zach Slook and myself will be on the call for that one. No pregame show. Um, we have the booth upstairs. Thank God we won't freeze our butts off. Uh, but Nebraska is using our booth for a pregame show and a postgame show. So really? I don't know how that's going to work. Like, it, it apparently they've, we've done it in the past and we've worked around it. Like, it's not an issue. Uh, we will be on live on the airwaves. I just don't know when we're going live, actually. So make sure to stay tuned to my Twitter at mmerrifield2027. Um, great Twitter follow. Free shameless plug. But also, I will inform everybody fun. when we are actually going live on the airwaves. Um, so, yeah. I got nothing else. Minnesota. Elite football team, not really. Uh, There's really nothing else to say. I don't know. The I mean, press box was cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, food spread, not bad. Great atmosphere. To great, be honest great with hospitality. You. Some nice people. I only met one person with a Minnesota accent, and it was our flight attendant on the way back to Michigan. Uh, still, 
Uh, cool lady. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about Minnesota was nobody knew Michigan State was playing Minnesota. Everybody's like, even on Friday when we were wearing our Michigan State, you're like, what are you yeah, guys here not, for? They're not a Somebody asked me if we were playing Wisconsin. I go, why would I be flying to Minneapolis if I was playing Wisconsin? I mean, we, we there is an airport stuff. in Madison, by the way, or Milwaukee, or pretty much. there are. Like I was like, she was like, are you, like, are you, is there a football game this week? I go, yeah. And they go, you guys play Minnesota or Wisconsin? I go, Minnesota. That's why we're flying to Minneapolis, St. Paul. But I was yeah, like, we, what? We wore Michigan State stuff and nobody knew. Like, that's well, not a football there, school. It's a, a hockey it, school. It's a hockey. And they, they, they love their and, hockey. And they lost there. them uh, Wisconsin last weekend in hockey. But anyways, yeah. I digress. Moving over to, to a volleyball school, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Coming into this one, they are 5-3 and three on the year as well. They had a rough start to the year. Their first year under Matt Rule. Carolina Panthers legend lost to Minnesota to start the year. Uh, then they got trounced by Coach Prime and the Prime train in week two in Boulder. And then after that, it's pretty much settled in. Their only other loss came at home to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can put a nice big asterisk next to that one. Yeah. Maybe uh, Connor Stallions was on the sideline for that. Um, They've had some ugly wins. I mean, beating Northwestern 17-9. It's it's the Big Ten West. It's all ugly. Michigan State should be in the Big Ten West. That's how they play. I wish. Or maybe they've had like like three more wins, but, you know. I I don't even know. Uh, Minnesota, or Nebraska lost 13-10 at Minnesota, 36-14 at Colorado, beat Northern Illinois and Rocky Lombardi, 35-11, beat Louisiana Tech, 28-14, lost to Michigan, 45-7, big fat asterisk next to that one. Won at Illinois 20 to 7, beat Northwestern 17 9, and then took care of business against Purdue last week at home 31 14. And now they have Michigan State. They cl- at Mar- are hosting Maryland next weekend at Wisconsin and then host Iowa on Black Friday. So coming into this one, still very much in contention. A win this weekend, and they're bowl eligible uh, with Matt Rule in their first year. Uh, I can look right now, it's been a few years since Nebraska's been to a bowl game. So just. I mean, Jay, what do you kind of expect to see from Nebraska? They're these a really good tomorrow? defense. Um, you know, top top tw- fifteen defense, actually fourteenth in uh, FBS right now. Uh, you know, and they got a really good front seven. They got really good linebackers. Um, specifically, I look at I look at guys like Isaac Guilford or uh, or not Isaac Guilford, um, John Bullock, um, forty total tackles on the year, and then you know Luke Reimer, who has got three and a half sacks on the year, and then Jamari Butler, four and a half sacks. They love to get after the quarterback, and they're a really good defense. So, I mean, if this Michigan State offense has already struggled, wait till you face this Nebraska defense. Offenses struggle a lot this year. They made a quarterback change um, with Jeff Sims, who really struggled um, in the beginning God, of the year. So and they bad. went to Heinrich Harburg. I think that's how you say Harburg. his name. Harburg. Um, he's actually played a little better. He's their leading um, rusher. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't throw the ball a lot. I mean, I think Michigan State's seen a lot of that this year. But – Really good defense. Um, I just it's it's gonna be a really no, no, it's gonna be another ugly game. Let's just say that. Yeah, I just found it. Jay, do you know the last time Nebraska made it to a bowl game? 2015, 2014. You're giving him. You're you're being too hard on him. 2016. They went nine and four under Mike Riley. Uh, went to the Music City Bowl. Uh, yeah. Since then, four and eight, four and eight, and five and seven. Forrest. Yeah, four and eight. Five and seven, three and five, three and nine, four and eight, all under Scott Frost. Uh, not great, uh, but Matt Rule five and three in his first year. Uh, most wins they've had in a season since 2019. Opportunity to get to six wins for the first time since 2016. Uh, he's getting this thing rolling. Starting to get rolling. I mean, he's very much a character guy. He's a easier typical. Like, there's a reason he didn't succeed in the NFL. He's not very mm-hmm. much an X's nose guy. He's a yeah. get you to play hard, PJ Fleck type. Just 
motivate. He's a motivator, right. and that's good to see. And um, and you saw what he did at Baylor. He took over right. a one-win team, I believe, and he turned them around. Won yeah, the Sugar like he, Bowl. He, yeah, he took over a, a program that is a proven got, track record of turning these programs around. We're kind of already seeing they, it right now. They got like I would call it like the modern day. They got like the Penn State treatment right. with the uh, and sanctions by the NCAA after I don't know what happened to Art Bryles, and um, he's rebuilt Baylor. Baylor now kind of dead again under. Uh, Dave, Dave Aranda, who might get fired. Uh, so. Yeah, and I thought Dave Aranda was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to be in East Lansing because he got hired the same year Mel Tucker mm-hmm. did. Turns out both coaches are not great. Um, but anyway, so Nebraska with on that defense, you talked about Luke Reimer with four and a half or three and a half sacks. You said John Bullock was the other guy you said. Um, yeah, but I'm looking at guys like Jamari Butler, four and a half sacks. They got, they got a lot of guys on this defense. Uh, yeah. You got uh, Jamari Butler. Uh, they have MJ Sherman, who's a good guy. Uh, on the defensive end, you have Ty Robinson, Jovin Wright, Isaac Gifford plays the yes. nickel. They call it a rover mm-hmm. on their depth chart. He's yep. their leading tackler and has the most passes defended at seven. He's got 55 tackles, seven passes broken up, and has an interception to add. Secondary's pretty solid, too. Tommy Hill has three interceptions. So players all over this defense. Malcolm Hartzog, it's a strong safety. Lots of good players. They're a top 10 rush defense in the entire country. They're fifth, averaging 79 yards of rushing a game. And that's better than Michigan, Utah. Um, that's second in the Big Ten. The only team with a better rush defense is Penn State. Um, they're also behind Tulane, Air Force, and UCLA. I mean, they are. Yeah. This is a strong rush it's defense. It's gonna be tough and, for Nate Carter to run the ball once again on on this very good, if, like you said, top five rush defense. If Jay, if Jay Johnson even wants to commit to the running game, <laughs> and, and they might just run it eight times and let Kate Hauser throw it forty, which won't work uh, unless it's no, Sam Levitt, not. and it still might not work. But we'll see. Um, Offensively, not great. They average 20 points a game. Uh, they rush for 130 a game, throw for 190. Their leading receiver, Billy Kemp, has 216 uh, rec- it, it, receiving yards. Yeah, and he is out. Uh, I don't know if he's out for the year, but he's been injured. He's missed the last couple weeks. Their leading receiver yeah. coming into the afternoon is Alex Bullock with 134 yards on eight catches in eight games. Yeah. Not great. Um, Harburg. Harburg has 838 yards passing, 104 average per game, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. He is their leading rusher. Anthony Grant's also a very good running back, uh, 76 for 320, uh, three scores, averaging four yards to carry. Emmett Johnson averages five yards to carry. Um, they have some good players. Thomas Fidone, their tight end, a solid option, 6'6", 250. So a couple of players they can get it to, um, but the offense, not impressive. The front, the offensive line, something I want to note. Jay, guess the size, the height of their two tackles, their left and right tackle. Probably six, six, three. Higher. Oh my God. Six, seven. Higher. Six, I'm going to go six, nine. That's their right tackle. Okay. Six, nine, three, forty. Six, nine, three, fifteen. So honestly, kind of light for wow. six, nine, but still six, nine, three, fifteen. Big boy at Bryce Benhart from Lakeville, Minnesota on the right tackle. Only a junior, by the way. Their left tackle, Teddy. Prochaka, I think that's how I'm going to say it, from Elkhorn, Nebraska, 6'10", 325. What are they, what are they feeding I, I don't these even kids know. in Nebraska? 6'10", 325. The their rest of their line, 6'6", 325 is their right guard. 6'5", 305 is their center. 6'1", 315 is their left guard. Normal sizes for offensive linemen, but they have two, their tackles are 6'10", and 6'9", respectively, which is absolutely Folling hilarious. Full when was still healthy. I don't he even may, know if he it may have matter. been able to help. Just a little bit. Maybe. Um, but it seems like their offensive line's pretty good and and big. So, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how this Michigan State team can rush the pass or weren't able to do that much um, 
against Cali McManus, we'll have to see. So I mean, they did an okay. They got three sacks. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Hall had a couple. Um, he actually, Jordan Hall had zero sacks coming into the game last week in his career. He finished with two sacks, a couple tackles for loss. Obviously, he had the forced fumble. Um, but really, the defense has not been great. Uh, the rush defense now, 126 yards a game. Third down defense is no longer what it was. They allow conversions over 30% now, not elite by any means. And I mean, this is an elite defensive unit, but they've been, the problem is it's the first half they do their job. And the second half, the offense has been so putrid that the defense is just tired and can't withstand the running attack. So, yeah, I, I guess you said like time of possession is going to be key because you can't have this defense get worn down like last week right. and have that happen again. So I think my biggest hope for this game is that Nebraska's offense isn't a, like, they're not great at running the football. Like, Minnesota is very good at running the football and controlling time possession. Nebraska's not quite as good. So, maybe, especially if Sam Levitt, if Sam Levitt starts, I have more belief that this team might be able to sneak this one out mm-hmm. and get a win on senior day. Um, Jay, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, last, last home game of the year, senior day, I mean, I'm expecting this team to compete and fight because I had not get blown out because. Look, it's the last it's the last home game of the year. You want to send your you want to send your seniors off right, and against a Nebraska team that doesn't have a lot of offense, and you know they're a decent team. But I'm expecting this team to compete on Saturday. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think they compete. I think it'll be close. Um, That's all I'm asking for at this point because I mean the spread is three three. Nebraska's three, a three point three favorite. point favorite. Okay, so interesting. Yeah, um, that would make sense because Michigan State was like. Seven point underdogs last week at Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, all right, yeah. we'll make a pick. All right, JDC Michigan State plus three. Are you taking the Cornhuskers? Yes, or are you I am taking... taking the Cornhuskers. Um, Smart. Yeah, that's really all I got. I mean, maybe, maybe it's close, but I give me Nebraska minus three. I think that's pretty easy for me. So, yeah, I would agree. I'm taking Nebraska as well. Um, let's move around the country now. Uh, some big games starting off in the noon slate. Michigan State kicking off at noon. Make sure to tune in. WDBM, myself, Zach Slowick on the call for that one. Uh, Notre Dame at Clemson's also at noon. The Fighting Irish favored by three against the four and four Clemson Tigers. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Notre Dame minus three. Um, Dabo, I don't know. I don't know what's going. Like, did you see that interview with Dabo? He like cussed out one of the yeah radio hosts or something. Yeah, I heard. It was pretty ugly. I mean, I, but anyways, I mean. I'll go Notre Dame minus the three here. I think Clemson's, I wouldn't say they're in a free fall, but, I mean, it's not really their year, so I will go Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Clemson's not great, and Notre Dame only three. I think that's a little low, um, and Clemson's offense not very good, and I think Notre Dame will have plenty of opportunity to put up some points and win that game comfortably. I know it's on the road, but a noon kick, and I guarantee you these Clemson fans are not going to be thrilled and won't be there with their biggest energy, even for a game like this. Another noon game, big one out in the Big 12. Number 23, Kansas State, 6-2 and two on the year, hanging around. Last year, they went to the Big 12 championship game, going to Austin to take on the number 7 Longhorns at 7-1. and Four-point favorites, the Longhorns, RJ. Who you got? I got I got Kansas State. No Quinnewers. You're, you're giving so, me a look. Oh, is Ewers hurt? Yeah, he's not oh. playing. Oh, did not know that. He's out for a while, and they're not playing Arch Manning for some reason. So, Oh, that's right. They got uh, yeah. Malachi Nelson. Is that right? Malik Nelson with two Malik, A's. Yes. So I got Kansas State. Uh, I just I feel Blake like Murphy is a big loss, so I'm gonna go Kansas State plus four. 
Yeah, the new starting quarterback right now for Texas is Malik Murphy, 6'5", yeah. 238, redshirt freshman out of Inglewood, California. I, I'm i still going to take Texas. I think Texas and Oklahoma are in their own league of the best two teams in the Big 12. My father says otherwise. He thinks Kansas State's the best team in this conference. I don't think so. I think Oklahoma and, Kansas, Oklahoma and Texas are clearly the best two teams. Kansas and Kansas State are the next best two. Um, but I'm going to take Texas in this one. And uh, at home, I think they get it done. It'll be close. I think Kansas State's going to hang around. Uh, Chris Kleiman, maybe a future Michigan State Spartan, but just not enough to get it done. Uh, let's go out to the 330 slate. Top 12 matchup in the S- in the SEC East. Number 12, Missouri at 7-1, and one, traveling to Athens to take on Georgia, who is number two in the college football playoff mm-hmm. poll that came out Tuesday. Bulldogs, 15-point favorites, Jay. I think, the, I think, I think Georgia's going to be, uh, I think they feel disrespected by the CFP, so I'm going Georgia minus the 15. I think they steamroll Missouri. Yeah. When we uh, when we get through all these picks, we can discuss the CFP a little bit before we get off these airways. But yeah, I I think they curb stomp Missouri. Um, Tigers, 7-1, and one, one loss, came at home to LSU in a game they probably should have won. I thought, I, honestly, that game was the same day we were... I don't even remember what day that was. No, October seventh. What were we doing? That might have been the bye week. Yeah, I, all I remember. Bye week, okay, I, believe, yeah. I think that was a game. I don't remember what I was doing that afternoon, but I remember LSU being down that game, and then they, they somehow won because LSU's defense was playing terrible in the first half. Missouri's a good team. They beat Kansas State at home. They beat Kentucky on the road. But Georgia's a different animal. Yeah, they're a nice story, but Georgia is. They got dogs yeah. on that on that team. Yeah. So, yeah, Georgia. Uh, big game in the ACC. Uh, Louisville at seven and one hosting Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech four and four, but only three and one in conference play. Still very much in the picture. Duke lost their second conference game last week, so that obviously Florida State's the elite team in this conference. But there's kind of this game could play a big role in who joins Florida State and Charlotte for the ACC championship game in a month. Uh, I'll go Louisville, I guess. Um, you know, I mean they've had some nice wins. Um, they they beat Duke last week, correct? Two weeks ago, but yeah. Two weeks ago, yes. Uh, uh, it was last week. Last week. Over Duke, Duke's nothing. a solid football team. I'm going to go, I'll take Louisville at home. Yeah, I mean, at home, there are two losses. Or one loss is to Pitt two week, uh, a couple weeks ago. They lost 38-21. Uh, they beat Notre Dame at home. They beat Duke at home. Um, a couple of their other points, they beat Boston College, Indiana, NC State, Georgia Tech. Not very good football teams. Um, but I think at home, I'm going to take George, Virginia Tech in the 10. I think that's a lot of points, and... Uh, Virginia Tech at four and four. I mean, their one conference loss is to at Florida State. They did lose to Rutgers and Purdue and Marshall, but mm-hmm. they beat Wake Forest and Syracuse the last two weeks pretty comfortably. They get a couple extra days of rest. They played last week Thursday, so they have two days of rest down Louisville. Give me them to cover, um, but I still think Louisville sneaks this one out. Uh, also in the Big Twelve, kind of a big rivalry game. Obviously, with all the realignment going around. In the college football, the last time we'll get to see this rivalry Bedlam. for quite some time, Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. This one's in Stillwater. The Sooners, though, six point favorites on the on the road. Jay, um, you know, Oklahoma coming off that tough loss against uh, Kansas at home at, on the road. Oklahoma Oklahoma State's kind of bounced back a little bit. Um, you know, you, you kill Cincinnati forty five thirteen. Uh, you beat Kansas thirty nine thirty two on the fourth on October fourteenth. You also beat Kansas State. Six point favorites at on the. I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. I think it'll be a close game. I'll take them plus the six. I, 
I'm torn. This rivalry, quote unquote, I mean, it is a rivalry, in-state rivalry, but like it's not a close rivalry. Oklahoma's dominated. I think of like their 100 meetings, Oklahoma's won like 85. Like, I mean, the last couple of years since Oklahoma State's really Mm -hmm. stepped up under Mike Gundy, it's kind of closened up. But even then, Oklahoma's big brother by a lot. Um, But I can still see on the road, Oklahoma State fans, their season's kind of had a revival. They've won four straight. They opened up with beating Central Arkansas and Arizona State. Then they lost at home to South Alabama badly, and then they lost at Iowa State, and people were really upset with Mike Gundy. Revival, but but since then, Kansas State at home. You said they beat Kansas at home, went to West Virginia, and then throttled Cincinnati last week. I think they cover. I think it's one of those games like they're not going to go away quietly. The rivalry sure might be dead for a couple years, um, but they're going to come out, punch them in the mouth, and keep it close. But I think Oklahoma bounces back and sneaks out a win, staying in the Big Twelve in the seven o'clock slate. Kansas. Going to Iowa State. It's a weird game. It's a weird game. Iowa State, two and a half point favorites, Jay. I'm going to go Iowa State in this spot. I mean, I feel like every uh, home team that's unranked playing a ranked team at, on the, at home, I'm going to go Iowa State in this game, minus the two and a half. Maybe Kansas, um, after their big win against Oklahoma, maybe they have a little bit of a hangover game on the road at night. I'm going to go Iowa State in this game. Matt Campbell's squad. Yeah, Matt Campbell coming in. Tough start of the year for Iowa State. Yeah. They after Another beating Northern Iowa, better. they uh, lost to Iowa at home. They lost to Ohio on the road. Yeah, uh, they bad. found a way to beat Oklahoma State, but then lost to Oklahoma. And people were kind of calling out maybe Matt Campbell should be fired. Um, Iowa State football cannot fire Matt Campbell. I just don't see how you can do that for what he has done the last couple of years. Obviously, Brock Purdy and um, Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler had those phenomenal years. David Montgomery. Um, yeah, David Montgomery, beast. Chicago yes. Bear legend, now a Detroit legend. <laughs> Detroit legend um, now. But they've won three straight, beat TCU, beat Cincinnati on the road, took care of business at Baylor the last two weeks. Now they're at home. Kansas coming off a big win. I think mm-hmm. Iowa State gets it done as well. They're favored for a reason. They're underdog. They're the unranked team favored at home against a ranked team. Like that always works. It's, and you uh, saw it with Michigan State and Washington last year. Washington was a three-point favorite, and they curb-stopped yeah, It them, happens. So. Uh, it's a pretty – I don't remember what the conversion rate is on it, but usually – the play is to Odds take in your favor. So, yeah, I'm taking Iowa State as well. Um, some big games in the late slate as well. Quickly, Jay, we'll do this one fast. Purdue, Michigan. Michigan favored by 32 and a half at home. I mean, Purdue's awful. Uh, I guess I'll – I mean, Michigan doesn't cover well. I'm going to go Purdue plus well, 32 and a half. they cover well against conference teams. Alleged, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe. Who knows? I mean – that's a ton of points. That's though. so many points, and I just would love to see how Michigan comes out because they didn't play last week. They had a bye week last week, so and they, they played dealt with all the they, allegations. They, like, they played Michigan State, and the allegations had just dropped, but people didn't really know what they were. But a lot of information has come out in the last two weeks. Alleged information, a lot, yeah, um, including Connor Stallions potentially being on the sideline against Central Michigan for Michigan State. Or, with spyglasses. Th- that's that's I hope that's true for the fact that it would be so funny. Because Jim McElwain came out this week and said they didn't know who it was and they're investigating. He easily could have said, that's our grad assistant, Tim. How does he not know who that is? He's on your staff. Right, which tell, leads me to believe crazy. which leads me to believe that um, that was Connor Stallions or somebody on the side. It's just hilarious. There's so much going on. Yeah. Um, we should dedicate an episode. We should have an emergency episode like Monday, Jay, and just talk yes. about uh, the reports. But I'm taking Michigan. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I mean, whatever. That, we'll see. Um, USC. Hosting Washington. This over-under is crazy. Over-under set at 76.5. Washington's favored by three on the road. Washington comes in number five in the college football playoff poll. USC coming at 24. USC in the last three weeks beat, lost to Notre Dame 48-20. 
or actually, their month of October was not good. In the month of October, they beat Arizona by two in triple overtime. At Notre Dame, by they lost by 28. They lost to Utah at home by two in a last-second field goal. Last week, they went to the wire with Cal on the road loss and won 50-49. to Now they get Washington, Oregon on the road, and UCLA the next three weeks to close out the season. It's Washington at home, game. who do you got? I'm going to go Washington. USC's defense is not good. I mean, 50-49 to final against Cal. USC's defense is pathetic. I think Michael Penix can easily destroy this defense. So for that, yeah. I'm going to go Washington minus I, the three at the Coliseum. But that, that is a scary pick. I, uh, I, I, I agree that USC's defense sucks and they've been sliding. Um, but they're still waiting for that big win this year. Um, and I think they're going to beat somebody in the next three weeks, and it'll either be this week against Oregon or this week against Washington, or next week at Oregon. But winning at Oregon is going to be tough, especially for how physical the Ducks are. Yeah. Um, but Washington, the last two weeks since they beat Oregon on October fourteenth, yeah. not been good. They had the three point win against Oregon. Then they even the week before that, they went to Arizona, only won by seven on September thirtieth. But they beat Arizona State at home by eight in a game that they got kind of bailed out by the refs late. Um, and then last week against Stanford, they only won 42-33. I, I'm taking USC. I think the offense, it, I don't think Washington's defense is all that special either. I think Caleb Williams will be able to put up points. I don't know if the over is going to hit. That's a lot of points that require both teams to put 40. But I'm still going to take USC. Plus three at home, I'll take the points. Uh, the game of the week, number 14, LSU traveling down to Tuscaloosa, or traveling up to Tuscaloosa to take on the Crimson Tide, the Tide favored by three. Alabama, I think at home they're coming out. They need or have revenge from last year, so give me Bama at home at night. Bam, so. Bama's making the playoff. I, I'm so. I, I mean, yeah, if they weren't out, they will. I mean, they if they they after this they play at Kentucky next week, Chattanooga on Cupcake Week, yeah. and then at Auburn. I mean, this those is are, those are all that they're they all it takes is a win, and then they'll have to beat Georgia we'll see in one game, game does in Atlanta. Bama. Oh God. So, oh God! I mean, that's, even... that's easily a yeah, winnable schedule. I'm taking, so. I'm taking Bama. Uh, as Brian Kelly said, November is for contenders, and Bama's a contender quietly, especially for how bad they started the year. They've just kind of been a machine lately, and I think they rolled out. Yep, that's gonna do it for us now on the Pick'em and kind of talk around the country. Last conversation we'll hit before we leave these airwaves. The first college football playoff rankings came out, JDC, and right now the top four: number one, Ohio State; number two, Georgia. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Florida State. And then the first two teams out at five and six are Washington and Oregon. No, I think it makes sense. I mean, oh, some people were thinking, oh, Georgia should have won. Ohio State, it clearly says the uh, the CFP uh, committee wanted the strength of schedule, and Ohio State has that. You, you beat Penn State. You went on the road um, to Notre Dame and beat them. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, they got the best strength of schedule right now. Um, I I don't disagree. I think they got. I think they got it right. What about you? I don't know if I would have Ohio State won. I get the logic behind it. They've beaten some really good teams here yeah. early in the year. Um, I just they don't look impressive. Like the offense just isn't there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean and it, they uh, found a way to get to get it done. It, it, I know Kyle the, McCord has the, struggled. The Notre Dame win, I give them all the credit for. Notre Dame, very good football team. I don't think Penn, Penn State's offense. I don't know. At home, it wasn't an impressive win. I still think Georgia's the best team because while Georgia really hasn't played anybody, they've throttled the opponents that were solid, right? They right. beat the brakes off Kentucky. Uh, Florida, they handled last week in neutral site. They get Missouri, and I think they're setting it up so 
if they take care of business against Missouri like we expect, they might jump Ohio State mm-hmm. up to one. Um, but, I mean, Georgia, the last month of the season, they have Missouri. Then they have Ole Miss at home next week at Tennessee and then at Georgia Tech. So, I mean, they have three ranked opponents to finish out the year um, yeah. starting this week. So, And then Florida State, I get the Michigan thing, putting them at three. They haven't played anybody. And then I don't know how they're going to handle all the allegations. Obviously, the Big Ten athletic directors came out yesterday and want yeah. the commissioner. Want something to happen because they've been saying, hey, the Big Ten hasn't done anything. You guys I, have to do something about I, this. So. I, I don't know how that's going to play it's out. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think Florida State at four is fine. My only gripe, and I truly believe this, this has nothing to do with the Bo Nix hype train, is I think Oregon's better than Washington. I think, like, yeah, even, I mean, over the last even, couple of weeks, Oregon has looked even, better. Like, I understand they, Washington. like, and everybody wants to, well, it don't, only if they could play a head to head game. Well, yeah, they played head to head in Seattle. In, and I agree that, yeah, Washington won that football game, but Oregon had every chance to win. I thought Oregon deserved to win that football game. They outplayed Washington in most aspects of the game. There were just some crucial fourth down plays. There were If that kicker hits the field goal, Oregon goes into overtime and could win that game altogether. So I just think on paper, Oregon is the better football team. If they play a neutral site in Las Vegas in the big Pac-12 championship game, I think Oregon wins. Yeah, I mean, and then Washington, they've struggled the last couple of weeks. And then Oregon goes to Utah and throttles I mean, them 35-6. Oregon throttled Colorado. They right. throttled Sanford. Had the game against Washington. Took care of business against Washington State. Throttled Utah in a place that nobody had won in 27 games. Yeah. Utah had won 27 straight at home. And Oregon dominated like it was nothing. They have Cal this week. USC the week next week at home. Then they have Oregon State on Black Friday at home. They also have Arizona State. So, I mean, Oregon... I, they can easily win out. Obviously, Definitely the Pac-12 can. championship game. Um, we'll see. I think everything else. We've seen that scenario for Bo Nix again, the Heisman, or, yeah, or not the Heisman, yeah, with the college football I, playoff I, and the Heisman. I think I think he can play himself into the Heisman. Everything's lining itself up. I, the only other complaint I have is it seemed like they stacked it. So all the undefeated teams are at top regardless. Then you have all the one-loss teams. And then you have all the two-loss teams. I think there are certain two-loss teams that are better. LSU and Notre Dame are both better than Louisville. I also think Oregon State is better than Louisville. Um, yeah, I'd argue USC and K. I don't think Louisville's that great. Um, same thing with Missouri. Uh, I'm fine with Oklahoma, Bama, and Ole Miss and Penn State all being up there, but I would still put Notre Dame because Notre Dame's schedule has been so tough. Even really, for like really they, they still have multiple and impre- like they have USC, Duke, and I guess that is it. Obviously, because they lost to Ohio State and Louisville, but Louisville. I don't know. Tennessee's yeah. weird because of Joe Milton because I don't trust him, even though I love him, but. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, we got a month left. It's only the first rankings. Two years ago, Michigan State was third in the college football playoff rankings. And then they lost, and then they lost to Purdue. So, so we'll see. Uh, hey, who's number three in playing Purdue this week? Michigan. I mean, this but one's at, at home. home. It's at home. It was at Purdue. 32-point favorites. I'm pretty sure Purdue was like a two-point underdog against Michigan State that week. I, I should go were. back and look. Um, and Jeff Brown's no longer their coach. Yeah. So who is their coach? It he was the Illinois defensive coordinator. Um, it's a rebuild over there. So, yeah. Gross. Anyways, that's going to do it for us today. 43 minutes of Spartan Red Zone, Michigan State, and then around the world college football talk with myself and JC. A pleasure as always, Jay. Um, make sure everybody listening to tune in if you'd like to. Myself and Zach Sloak on the call for Michigan State, Nebraska. Noon kickoff tomorrow on WDBM. Um, obviously, make sure. Thank you for listening to this. You can find Spartan Red Zone on Spotify, Apple Music, and on our website, impact89fm.org, or anywhere else you find your podcast. Thank you all for listening. Hope you have a spectacular weekend. 
I've been Matt Merrifield, and along with Jada Coster, you've been listening to Spartan Red Zone on WDBM.